So some of you may have noticed that I didn't release a podcast episode last week. Thankfully, I'm not dead, okay? I know there was some concern. I know there were search parties out there searching for Eero, but I'm okay. I'm okay. Work has been absolutely insane. Now, I love my job. Absolutely love my job, but it has, yeah, it's really dominated my life and pretty much every waking hour. Uh, if I'm not sleeping, which I don't sleep well anyway, uh, I just seem to be working. <laughs> Running your own small, humble little business is amazing, but it can be very, very time consuming. And when it's a business that's very dictated by the weather, um, yeah, it can, it peaks and troughs, peaks and troughs. And at the moment, being spring here in Australia, everything is growing really, really fast. Because I'm a gardener, in case you hadn't realized, um, everything is growing really, really fast. And um, we also just come out of lockdown, you know, a month or so ago. So my customers have been like, mate, where are you? The grass is up to my nipples. You need to come here and sort this crap out. Anyway, enough of my enough of my whinging and excuses, goddammit. Let's get on with the show. What are we talking about? Well, actually, because I feel bad and I want to make it up to you, I'm going to be doing a double, a double episode. episode. Pick up the brushes, pick up the paints, pick up the models and crank the music because it's time for the Imperial Orc Podcast. During my hiatus, let's call it a hiatus, my departure, my absence without leave, something huge happened in America. Um, Some of you probably are very much aware of it and others maybe not so much aware of it. What I'm talking about, and I don't mean to get too serious, guys, but what I'm talking about is the release of season two, The Mandalorian. Ah, that's right, guys. Uh, season two, The Mandalorian, the Star Wars uh, epic. Now it's epic, basically. I loved season one, released last year, two thousand nineteen, and I've thoroughly enjoyed the uh, the two episodes that have been released so far of season two, The Mandalorian. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then seriously. I don't know, punch yourself in the stomach at least a dozen times. Um, (laughs) Or maybe just, you know, a Star Wars fan. And that's okay. Maybe you're more of a Star Trek fan. Maybe you're more of a, I don't know, a 60 Minutes fan. That's fine. But you know what? I love Star Wars. I love it. I absolutely love it. I don't know if you picked up on that in, in, you know, previous episodes of the podcast, but Star Wars is like my (laughs) lifeblood. It really is. So anyway, what's this got to do with miniatures, I can hear you ask. Well, I was so excited with season two, and it got me, you know, remembering season one, and I revisited season one for the the billionth time, and it got me thinking, why the hell haven't I painted any Star Wars miniatures ever in my whole life? So I was straight onto the Google machine and started perusing. I just typed in Star Wars miniatures, um, the only game I'd ever heard of was Star Wars Legion, and that's kind of where I started, and that's kind of where I stayed, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I started looking at all their the miniature ranges. I think it was from Final Flights, 
No, Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy. Wrong again, my young Jedi. It's fantasy flight games. Yeah, started to peruse the range and was well impressed with the miniatures. Um, I'll be acquiring <laughs> um, the Galactic... Oh, no, sorry, the, the sort of starter set, I suppose. And you've got the um, the Stormtroopers in there. You've got Darth Vader. You've got Luke Skywalker on the other side with um, some Rebel troops as well. Plus, you've got the rules and all that kind of thing. So it's you know basically like a starter kit. I'm quite excited about it. Uh, I'll also be acquiring um, Boba Fett because Boba Fett is the greatest Star Wars character ever in the history of all Star Wars. So I am really, really pumped about painting Boba Fett, I've got to say. I'm actually also really excited about painting the Stormtroopers. I don't know why, because let's face it, they're just black and white, very monochromatic. And obviously going to be really straightforward I suppose but I will be doing like a dull white and then highlighting with a like a white scar from Games Workshop you know a brighter white basically um, and that's you know apart from maybe a spot colour on a commander or something like an orange sort of uh, shoulder pad or something like that but other than that, yeah, it's going to be pretty straightforward. But so, so I, I really don't know why I'm excited about painting those. I, I think all I can think is that I've always loved the look of the Stormtrooper. I was actually talking to a friend of mine um, just today about it who said when she first saw Star Wars um, back in the – she started watching in the like mid-'90s. Um, she's a younger lass. Um, she had said that they – even then, they looked modern. They didn't look like you sort of think science fiction and you think, you know, shiny metal robots. It was kind of like uh, Captain Phasma, I suppose, in, uh, in uh, Force Awakens. But the Stormtrooper, the humble Stormtrooper, was different from the same sort of starter kit. As I mentioned, you've got Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker as well. I really like the pose of Luke Skywalker. He's a, he's a young Luke Skywalker almost looks like he's uh, still on Tatooine, so he's wearing sort of like the cheesecloth beige-looking clothing that, that Tatooiners <laughs> seem to like to wear. Um, but he's, you know, he's got his uh, he's got his lightsaber up and he's ready to strike. It's really cool. The Darth Vader sculpt is also very, very cool. It looks like he's doing something with the Force. Um, love that. Um, yeah, so I'm excited about these miniatures and the uh, and the Boba Fett miniature as well. He's like, um, yeah, he's sort of sh leaping or shooting through the sky and got his pistol out, blasting away. So, so very a lot of movement in the sculpt and and very epic looking uh, miniature. So I just hope especially when it comes to Boba Fett. I just hope I can nail the colours, but do it justice as well. Because, I mean, I love Boba Fett so much, and there's so many Star Wars fans out there that I don't want to screw it up, you know? And I'm probably putting far too much pressure on myself <laughs> and really thinking into it too much. But that's what us Star Wars fans do. You've got to get it right. You've just, you know, you can't get it wrong. It's a bloody religion. So what's the game all about? What's Star Wars Legion all about? Obviously, it's about Star Wars, but you know what's going to happen in the game? Who are we fighting? How's it? How does it go? Well, uh, look, I'll go to the Fantasy Flight Games website and read what they say because they're wordier and more intelligent than I am, and they can explain their own product a lot better than I can. <laughs> 
Warfare is an inescapable part of the Star Wars universe, from the Rebel Alliance defeat in the Battle of Hoth, that was a sad day, to a few elite Rebel strike teams taking on a legion of stormtroopers on the forest moon of Endor. We know how that ended though, don't we? Yes, we do. You can seize your chance to get your boots on the ground and lead your troops to victory with Star Wars Legion, a miniatures game of thrilling infantry battles in the Star Wars universe. Star Wars Legion invites you to enter the ground battles of the Galactic Civil War as the commander of a unique army of miniatures filled with troopers, powerful ground or repulsor vehicles. That's cool. I'll definitely be getting some some vehicles, and iconic characters like Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Chewbacca, Yoda. Oh man, I can't wait to get my hands on those miniatures. While innovative mechanics for command and control simulate the fog of war and the chaos of battle, the game's unpainted, easily assembled minis give you a canvas to create the Star Wars army you've always wanted to lead into battle. Whether you fight for the monolithic, oppressive galactic empire or the ragtag rebel alliance. Star Wars Legion is played over the course of six rounds as you and your opponent duel over objectives on a battlefield of the galactic civil war. At the end of six rounds, the player with the most victory tokens earned from objectives wins the game. So that's, that's fairly straightforward. Naturally, the first step in destroying your opponent on the field of battle of completing and completing your objectives is to deliver orders to your units. Every unit in your army will activate each round, whether it receives orders or not. Hmm, okay, But giving orders to a unit gives you a powerful level of control over when that unit activates, as you'll see below. Okay, there's some pictures there, nice pictures. The first part of giving orders to your troops is to select a command card. Each player starts the game with a hand of seven carefully chosen command cards in the command phase. The first phase of each round, you and your opponent each select one of your available command cards and reveal it simultaneously. To be honest, it doesn't sound overly convoluted, so even the likes of me might be able to learn it if I'm patient enough and actually play a proper game of Star Wars Legion. But if I don't, that's okay, because really, for me, it's about collecting Star Wars toys. I mean miniatures and painting them <laughs> exactly the way they look on the big screen. <laughs> that's that's so exciting for me. It really is. I had a, uh, a small collection of um, Star Wars toys, which I unfortunately sold uh, many moons ago, um, many double moons ago. Only a true Star Wars fan would get that reference. Um, uh, yeah, so for me, you know, it just takes me back to my childhood, collecting Star Wars toys again, but this time painting them. And yeah, what's more exciting than that, really? Hey out there, this is Mark A. Morin. Check out my Instagram page at markamorin84. And if you really want some cool stuff, check out my blog at markamorin.com. I know you'll like it because you have impeccable and excellent taste because you're listening to the Imperial Rebel Orc podcast. Stay tuned for more Madness from Hero. 
If you've just joined us for uh, episode 41 of this podcast, I'd be surprised actually because it's a podcast, it's not a radio show, so that means you would have like fast-forwarded to the roughly halfway point and then jumped in. Yeah, that's that's confusing. Anyway, <laughs> my name's Eero. You're listening to my podcast, which is called Imperial Rebel Orc Podcast. This is episode 41. It's a double episode because... I was absent, was absence, why can't I say that word? Absence without leave last week. I do apologize. Um, I did have a few emails. Thank you very much for the concern. I, I am okay. I'm still here, ready to go. But yeah, just being, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, just being absolutely flat out with work. Anyway, the second part of the show um, kind of relates to one of the emails I got. Um, one of the emails I got was from Bastian Steve. Hi, Bastian Steve. And he wanted to know, he really enjoyed the scratch building episode, and he wanted to know if I've ever scratch built a castle. Bastian Steve was kind enough to share a couple of photos of a castle that he scratch built um, about a year ago, he said, and it was based, loosely based on the the original Warhammer castle or Warhammer fortress that was released, I think, maybe 90s, 1990s, basically, uh, uh, you know, a very stereotypical castle, I suppose, <laughs> um, uh, a tower in each corner, a drawbridge, and then you got the the, the, the walls in between. Um, a nice, good, sturdy stronghold. And I've got to say, Bastion Steve's work um, is very detailed and really, really cool. He mostly used um, foam and he would use uh, putty, like a wall filler um, over the foam as well to create texture. Um, he's got moss on there. He's got, um, you, can, you can see that the bricks have sort of been carved in, which looks just awesome. He's got it mounted on like a, a game board table, lots of flock and a, a bit of uh, hills and, and gravel and stuff like that. Uh, no miniatures displayed on, on his castle, but um, it is uh, basically a 28 millimeter scaled castle. And it's, yeah, it's, it's bloody awesome. In answer to your question, Steve, I have never built a castle from scratch. It is on my bucket list though, I must say. Um, I definitely have aspirations of... Yeah, doing something like what you've done, really. Um, I've seen plenty of people online doing a similar thing. A lot of the uh, Lord of the Rings fans, um, you know, uh, like one one group, I can't remember what they're called now, but one group I follow on Instagram, they're basically building Helm's Deep um, from, was it the second movie, Lord of the Rings? can't remember, but <laughs> the two towers, yeah. I think it was the Battle of Helm's Deep. They're basically rebuilding that whole castle, um, yeah, which is which is absolutely epic. So, so yes, definitely want to do something uh, in that kind of ilk. Despite not ever building a castle from scratch, I have uh, a deep-seated passion, <laughs> uh, obsession, for castles and fortresses and bastions and, and things like that. I just, and strongholds. Uh, speaking of strongholds, I just bought the uh, recent Necromunda stronghold and I'm very excited to uh, get my, you know, scalpel and glue onto that. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I love the romance behind a castle. 
I love the fact that this is the last stand kind of thing. I'm, I'm, as listeners may know, I'm a big fan of the last stand. And what better place to make a last stand than in a castle? I mean, that's just that just rocks. The look of a castle is impressive. They they're often massive, high walls, uh, well defended parapets, towers, drawbridges, moats. Even a murder hole. Like, <laughs> I mean, what else? What else can you ask for than a murder hole? Brilliant. Brilliant. The sheer effort it would have taken to build a castle is impressive in itself, isn't it? I mean, yes, you would have been whipping the slaves and the peasants to make it happen for you. <laughs> Slave labor, basically. Um, but still, the design and the actual physical, the physicality behind building. A giant stone castle, wow, super, super impressive. Impressive. I went and saw a castle in England back in 2008, and for the life of me, I can't remember which one it was. I keep thinking it was York, but it, I don't think it was that one, but it's got a massive moat, well-manicured gardens all around the place, like a forest, basically, um, a drawbridge, the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. And what I learned, so I, I was there and just like my, my jaw was dropped and I was just wide-eyed like a little kid and was just all my dreams had come true basically. And what really struck me was the ingenuity behind the building of the castle. So they built it to be um, a defense weapon in itself. So yes, of course, you've got the big walls and, and towers and the, uh, I can't remember what they're called, but the little slits where you, you have your bowmen or your crossbowmen, you know, shooting out of. Um, but even things like the stairwells, right? So the stairwells in the towers and, and throughout the whole castle really were designed in such a way that if attackers manage to get into the castle, when they're running down these stairs, they would fall over because they're all clad in armor, you know. So the stairs were designed so that there'd be different heights, different lengths, different widths, and narrow in some areas, like the actual stairwell would be narrow, but then it would widen and flatten out. And I remember walking up them and like realizing, oh, this isn't a natural flowing uh, staircase. <laughs> and when I got to the top, there was a sign that said, did you notice anything walking up the stairwell? Um, this is why. And it, I mean, it blew my mind that, that that kind of thought process was behind that, that you're just thinking, okay, look, the odds are someone's going to get in. So we need to build the stairs in such a fashion that the attackers are going to fall over themselves, literally fall over themselves trying to get up and down these stairs. And I think, yeah, that, my mind was blown. Anyway, so yeah, I, I love castles. And, and of course, I've spoken about um, the Alamo as well. Last stands that, you know, but having something to stand in and shoot from is, is just epic in my opinion and just conjures uh, up so many sort of stories and just uh, really ignites the imagination for me. So, okay, <laughs> so how does that all relate to miniatures? Um, well, over the course of the last couple of years, I've noticed a bit of a trend with myself that I've been sort of 
on the hunt for more and more castle things or fortress things. And like I said, I, I, I have built a little bit here and there um, and I've got lots of plans to do a lot more. But I, I you know, I've even recently acquired um, that I'm still waiting to get printed actually um, from OTP Terrain. Um, they're a, uh, I've featured them before on a hobby spotlight. Uh, they basically print terrain for you. And there's, there's a fort that's coming. It's a bit more of a ramshackle, kind of an orcish type fort, I suppose. I've got that coming. Um, there's another um, type of fort from the same company that's even more ramshackle, and it's, it looks like a junkyard with cars all crushed together to make the ramparts and stuff like that. Um, I've already, in my in my fungeon, I've already got a big box um, full of a more of a traditional type castle that I got from um, gamemat.eu. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. These are resin, they're not plastic, they're resin, and... They, they, they came painted and they're highly detailed. You've got wall sections or ramparts and you've got tower sections and you've got a drawbridge section and it's modular. So you can have just like a long wall if you wanted to, like going all the way across your battlefield, or you can, you know, do the typically, you know, uh, standard square formation of a castle. You can put in four towers, you can put in six towers, you can put in eight towers, whatever you want. The more kits you buy, obviously, the more you've got to play with. And they're really cool. They're all scaled to 28 millimeter. They're really, really cool. Now, as far as gameplay, so if you're actually having a, a game on the on the tabletop, now I must stress I don't play any particular rules. I have my own bastardized, summarized, uh, simplified version of of gaming rules. Um, but having a fort on the table, having a massive defendable wall or whatever. Um, yeah, is is impressive to look at for one, and I, I'm a big fan of being uh, making sure the game is very very immersive. So it looks really cool. You're you're there, you know. I have a soundtrack playing in the background, and I get right in <laughs> right into it. But it's also, you know, it's strong. It's it's tough to get over those walls or to blow up one of the walls. It's 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 a challenge for the attacker, and I think that can make the game really really diverse. What it comes down to for me, guys, and it's like the Star Wars stuff as well, it's all that throwback to my youth. So, toy soldiers, toy Star Wars figures, and toy castles. Uh, when I first came to Australia, my we had uh, a friend of the family. He sadly passed away now, many, many years ago, passed away. Um, but I was a little tacker. I was seven years old when we came to Australia, and... I discovered that he was good with his hands and he loved woodwork, right? And he could make anything. And he would sell things at the market and stuff like that. One day I went to his house and I saw that he was making a castle, a toy castle, toy wooden castle. And I was absolutely blown away. I just I just stood there and watched him work. And he was a real, you know, he was a real um, old school craftsman. He was chiseling bits and planing bits and very precise, didn't measure anything, just did it all by eye and was a real, he was an artist, you know what I mean, with, with, uh, with timber. And anyway, I don't know how long it was, but several months later, Christmas comes along, I open up a big package under the Christmas tree and it was that same castle. He, The one I'd gone round to watch him build, 
I thought he was just selling it in the market to some other lucky kid. Turned out, no, he was making it for me. Now this had a, uh, it was the four walls with a tower in each corner, but it also had a tower in the middle, like a watchtower, like a taller tower. And it also had a functioning draw, draw uh, drawbridge. And oh, <laughs> I was... I was happier than a pig in its own crap. I, <laughs> I was so happy. I could use my cowboys and Indians on it. I could use my GI Joes on it. I could use my um, one, three, two scale uh, plastic army men on it, green army men and gray army men. And I also had a collection of little plastic knights and stuff like that, Romans and all sorts of things. I played with this castle I don't, for years, like for years, I cherished it. I don't know what became of it. I probably, you know, when I was in my teens or something, got tired of it and just tucked it away in the cupboard and then may have given it to, you know, some kid friend of the family or something. Maybe I'm not sure now, but I wish I'd kept it because this, it was really a work of art. And I would have liked to have, you know, handed it down to my kids, especially my youngest daughter, who's, who's into that kind of stuff, you know, toy figures and that kind of thing. Dolls houses but I'm sort of, you know, edging her into <laughs> into Star Wars figures and G.I. Joes. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, all this kind of, this passion for castles, this passion for miniatures is all a throwback to, all, all a throwback to my childhood. It's the Imperial Rebel Org Podcast! Now, just before I go into the hobby spotlight, um, I what kind of castle fanatic and toy lover would I be <laughs> if I didn't mention the most iconic and special castle ever <laughs> to be out there in the world, which is Castle Grayskull uh, from the He-Man. <laughs> from the He-Man stories and toys and things and cartoon. Um, yeah, absolutely brilliant castle love it um okay <laughs> had to mention that uh okay so hobby spotlight now it's just a quick one because i've only literally just discovered them last night it's a youtube channel called zorpa zorp z-o-r-p-a z-o-r-p first and foremost they're aussie which is just kick ass in my opinion it's always nice to hear an aussie voice on a video um and on a podcast i should say <laughs> uh yeah no it's 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 quite um i've only just skimmed the surface of this youtube channel i was i was looking up star wars legion last night and stumbled across their channel and and watched um one of their battle reports and then watched i think it was a painting tutorial they've also got a whole bunch of stuff on would you believe castles um, Lord of the Rings stuff, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of Lord of the Rings stuff. Um, but they also, you know, they also talk about uh, Warhammer 40k. I've seen some of the videos pop up uh, for Necrons and things like that. And um, they've obviously been around for a while because there's quite a few videos there. Um, so I'm quite excited to sort of um, binge watch their gear and make my way steadily through all their stuff. Um, I believe... They also, because when I, ju I just like typed in Zorpa Zorp into Google just before I started the podcast, and 
a website came up for the, the same name selling basing materials and castle templates. Now, I've only just glimpsed at it, so I, I'm guessing it's the same mob, which is kind of cool. Um, maybe they might listen to this episode and correct me and go, no, we don't know who they are. Or they might go, yeah, of course, man. Like, where have you been? Living under a rock? What are you talking about? Um, but yeah, so I'm go- I am personally going to go and explore the website a lot more because it's Aussie and, and basing materials and, and models stuff and I just get excited and as I say I'm going to check out the uh, the YouTube videos so that's Zorpa Zorp Z-O-R-P-A Z-O-R-P go check them out guys what have I been up to in our somewhat sexy and very beloved hobby um nothing nada Niente. Nout. Nothing at all. Yeah, I'm I'm seriously having withdrawal symptoms. <laughs> I'm I'm guessing I'm not alone with that kind of thing. Like if you can't get to your paintbrushes or your model kits or your scalpel or your glue and your sprues, I'm guessing you probably feel a bit like that as well. I wouldn't say it's a I wouldn't say it's anxiety. I don't suffer from anxiety, but I would definitely say with heavy, heavy withdrawal symptoms. Like the closest I'm getting to the hobby at the moment, apart from this recording this episode, is um, watching YouTubes and looking on Instagram and looking on the blog as well, trying to keep up with the blog uh, as far as following my beloved blogger buddies um, and their lovely posts. Um, that's kind of it. Like I like, I, <laughs> and I really don't mean to whinge because I really, really do love my work, love my clients. Um, but it's, yeah, it's crazy. I'm crazy busy, but I'm feeling that little niggly feeling deep down, like you need to do something creative. You need to get into your fungin and make a small dent in the massive pile of possibilities is what I call it, not the pile of shame. Um, I need to do something. So I'm hoping, so what's today? Today is Friday. Uh, tomorrow is Saturday. I'm working all day Saturday. Sunday. I'm working in the morning on Sunday. Then I need to go and do some other, run some other errands. And then I'm hoping there might be a small window of opportunity in the evening to get the paints out and work on some orky stuff that I've got laying there. Um, Even if I have an hour, one hour, just give me one hour, please world, to get some paint on a brush and onto a model, I'll be a very, very happy man and I'll probably sleep well that night. But as far as anything I've been up to, I'm afraid, guys, I've got nothing to offer you. I've got lots and lots of ideas, lots of plans, lots of lists, (laughs) Um, but absolutely nothing to talk about right this moment. So you mean to tell me you call yourself a hobbyist, but you're not doing any bloody hobby? I just want to bite your face off, hero. Hey, whoa, 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 Scabrot. Easy, tiger. I promise by the next time, the next episode, episode 42, I would have done some kind of hobby work to talk about it. All right? All right, so just relax. That's it for episode 41, guys. Um, As I've mentioned, I do have something special coming up, hopefully, fingers crossed, soon-ish. 
It's a very special interview uh, with someone within the industry. I don't want to say too much just in case it doesn't come to fruition and I look like a complete mug. Well, more so than I already do. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about it. I also have another interview coming very, very soon-ish with um, my hobby dad. Father! The Imperfect Modeler. Go and check him out on Instagram. Tim, T-I-M, The Imperfect Modeler. You'll find him. Brilliant dude. And I'm very, very excited to uh, be chatting to him as well. Yeah, but that's it for 41. Um, I I hope you've enjoyed the episode. I've really tried to put more into it because I've, I, I honestly did feel bad not, you know, delivering last week. But enough of that. Onwards and upwards, as they say. My name's Eero. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in episode 42, which will be next week. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You've been listening to The Imperial Rattle Podcast.